joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Open your Bibles to the book of Ruth. I want to rewind with you to March 27th, 1995. March 27th, 1995. And there's nothing really particular special about that day other than this article that was written in the LA Times called the flake factor the flake factor how many of you know someone that you would call a flake someone that just kind of seemed just one person one two three people okay listen to this article and, and i think it's a very interesting introduction i didn't it's not the whole article just the introduction uh the writer of this article says you know them you love them you may even be one of them they're the people who cannot keep a commitment but maybe it's not their fault our culture may be the culprit how many flakes in a 24-ounce box of cornflakes? About 6,300. How many human-type flakes in America's society? Experts have no statistical data, but all agree that people are definitely getting flakier. A flake cannot keep a commitment no matter what. Your friend promises to help you find an apartment, but never seems to find the time. Your date says he'll call you before the weekend. He doesn't quite manage to. You schedule lunch with a co-worker, but some other obligation comes up at the last minute. Again, always an excuse, sometimes an apology. We live in a world of a non-commitment culture. A world of non-commitment culture. Well, we have this society, and this has been going on for a while. This, this article is 28 years old. It's not just a here and now thing. But we live in a world where it seems like everybody is all about committing to something until something better shows up, right? I, yeah, if you want me to do something with you this weekend, absolutely, I'll do something with you, maybe, as long as I don't get a better offer between now and then. Commitment issues have become just a big thing in our society, in our world. Some people call them flakes. Some people call them non-commitment. Another way, and the way we're going to frame it this morning, is faithlessness, not having faith or not being faithful to the things that you have committed to in your life. So you ask yourself the question, am I one of these non-commitment culture people? Here, here are five signs that you might have commitment issues. You respond to invites with maybe, maybe. You use excuses, you use any excuse you can find to get out of a commitment. You say yes so much that you don't remember what you've committed to. Your friends and family point out that you have this issue. And then finally, you start strong, and then you fade away. Non-commitment culture has become the normal. But there's a challenge in that. Because you see, when you live a life of non-commitment, when you live a life of, okay, I'm gonna, I will say yes, but if something better comes along, if something better happens, if a better opportunity arises, 
you end up creating this, uh, not really culture, but you create this normal kind of way in life to where you're just looking for the next thing. You're never grounded in one place. You're never grounded in one point, And you always think something better may come up. So you're afraid that you're missing out. And it might start with little things. It may start with small weekend commitments. But if you're not careful, if you keep going down that road, you get to a place where it affects your job. It affects your family. It even affects your faith. And so let's think about that for a moment. What is faithfulness? Because that's what we're really going to talk about today. Non-commitment versus commitment. Faithlessness versus being faithful. Faithful is a word that we use a lot in Scripture, right? We talk about it. It's something that we talked about last week. One of the main words of the book of Ruth. Uh, the, The Main definition, I guess a proper definition, is faith, uh, faithful, uh, faithfulness is lasting loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships, the fact or quality of being true to one's word or commitment. So it's just saying, hey, I- I'm going to be what I say I'm going to be. If I say I'm going to do this, if I say I'm going to be here, if this is what I have committed to, then I'm going to be loyal to that commitment. Or as we li- uh, uh, said last week, it's committed or committing and being all in for the long haul. It's saying I'm here. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And no matter what else goes on in the world, no matter what else goes on in my life, I'm going to be committed to this family. I'm going to be committed to this relationship, to these people, to this God. And the truth is, is that faithfulness is something that is is not only, I'm going to say, required by God, but it is blessed by God. God says, I want you to be faithful, and if you're faithful, I'm going to bless you. First Samuel chapter 26 and verse 23, it says, the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. So David is in this moment with uh, King Saul, and Saul's trying to kill him. Saul's trying to, to do all these bad things to him, and, and David's like, hey, I, I, I'm going to worry about faithfulness. You are God's anointed. You are God's chosen. And I'm going to respect that. I'm going to be faithful to what God has decided. And he says because of that, he is rewarded. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. The proverb writer says this, My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Make that a, a, a core thing in your life. We fast forward to the New Testament here. We get it to switch. Yeah. First uh, Corinthians 4 and verse 2, Paul writes these words. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. As, as children of God, we are given this promise of God. We're given this trust of God. And he says, be faithful in those things. But, but there, here, here's the idea that I want you to really understand this morning, because this is the thing that I think challenges the non-commitment culture, is faithfulness will bring blessings that can't be had any other way. You with me on that? Listen to that again. Faithfulness will bring blessings that can't be had any other way. Now, here's the issue with non-commitment culture. Non-commitment culture is I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something, right? I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something. I have got this idea that, yes, if you want me to be there, I'll be there. But if something better 
something more enjoyable, something more fun, something that benefits me more shows up in this kind of circle here, then I'm going to say that's where I'm going. We're always looking for something better. But the issue with non-commitment culture is then those things that we receive are only surface level. Yeah, they're fun, but they're just surface fun. Yeah, they're relationships, but they're just surface relationships. Yes, they're rewarding, but they're just surface rewarding. Because you see, when we stay committed to something, when we stay committed to something, the blessings from that commitment, from that relationship, from our God, from our church family, gets better and better and greater and greater. There are certain things that we cannot receive unless we stay in it long term. I was preaching a sermon one time uh, on, on marriage, and I was talking about the beauty of young love. And this, uh, this, this older gentleman in our church, and I, and I loved him, and I, and I still do, his name was Mr. Lowell. He came up to me and he says, you know what's better than young love? I go, what, Mr. Lowell? He said, old love. He said, old love is better than young love. Why? Because of faithfulness. Because there's blessings in that relationship you only receive because you've been faithful and have stayed in it. And as we open up to our text this morning, that's really what the, the, the second half or the, the largest portion of Ruth chapter 1 is really about. Because you see, if you look back at the book of Judges, Judges is about non-commitment. Judges is about this idea that, um, Judges is about this idea that we want the here and now. It says they were not faithful to God and they followed these other gods. Because why? These other gods might make me happier. They may have something to offer me that's better than what Jehovah God has given me. So we're going to keep all of our options open. And that's, that's not the case. That's not the case. Because only through God do we receive what? Roman, uh, Revelations 2.10 says the crown of life. Only through that total commitment do we receive that victor's crown. And so this is what they're struggling with. That they're struggling with leaving the Lord and serving the Baals or serving the gods of the time. They have a commitment issue. So let's pick up right here then. So that's the greater context. And in that greater context of lack of commitment, there's this beautiful moment of Ruth committing to, to, to Naomi in just such an amazing way. So let's, let's read this text together. It says, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where they had been living. They've been living there for how many years? You remember? At least what? At least 10 years, at least a decade, where they've been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. Let's stop right there. This is very much a cultural thing, that there is this idea that when someone leaves, you go with them through part of the journey, and you get to a certain part, and you say your goodbyes. It's like I have jokingly said, the, the three steps of the southern goodbye. You say goodbye in the room, you say goodbye at the door, then you go to the cars or the parking lot, and you say goodbye out there. You know, we, we understand this. It's a cultural thing. And so she's got to this point, and she looks at her daughters-in-law and says, you've come far enough. You've come as far as I've expected you to come. Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown me kindness 
uh, or as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am... Go, uh, I am going to have, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Let's stop right there and just talk about a couple of things very quickly. What she's looking at her daughter-in-laws and saying here is, why would you choose me? I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing to offer you. And that's the idea of this commitment or or lack of commitment culture. I'm going to follow what benefits me the most. And she says, look, I have no husband. I'm not going to have any more children, so you're not going to have husbands with me. I have nothing to offer you. This is, this, is, this is as bad as it gets. She says, I hope the Lord blesses you. I hope the Lord gives you what you need. But for me, the Lord's hand has turned against me, and I have nothing. It's not worth following me any further because you're not going to get anything out of it. So what's the response? At this, they wept aloud again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. I read somewhere this week, you have kissers and you have cleavers. I'm sorry, leavers. Not be cleavers, I misspelled that word, added extra letters. Kissers and leavers. What What does Orpah do? She says, nothing, you're right, you have nothing that benefits me, so I'm going to go where? I'm going to go home. What does Ruth do? Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her, just grabbed a hold of her, would not let go. Verse 15, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If even death separates you and me. Then Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her. She stopped urging her. These are some of the most beautiful words in the Old Testament. Some of the most powerful words in the Old Testament. These, these words are, are read at, at weddings. These words are read at graduations. They're read, they're read at all these different things about committing and faithfulness and being with someone and staying with someone. There's so much beauty in these things. I want to give you a couple of things that I think is beautiful about this passage. Number one, Ruth was not a king, priest, or prophet, and yet God noticed her act of faithfulness and blessed her richly. You're in a time where all the leadership of Israel, except for these judges that pop up here and there, but the people that should have been leading Israel into a life of faithfulness, what have they done? They've quit following God. They have nothing to do with God. They've turned their back on God. And then when things get bad, when things get hard, what do they do? Oh God, please come help us. And God's a faithful God, and he comes and he helps them. But then when everything gets good and they get the good stuff from God again, they get to wonder, well... Is there something better out there? 
Is there something better out there? And they fall away from God again. And it recycles and recycles and repeats and repeats. Yet Ruth's story is the story of faithfulness that we hear. But she's not a king, a priest, or a prophet. Matter of fact, she's a foreigner. She doesn't have really any connection to God except through her family. And at this point, just her mother-in-law. I think that's a beautiful picture for us. Because, you know, in our world, especially in our society, we are in this ever-constant um, back and forth, I think, with politics and, and, and with government and who's going to save our country. And, and, we, and that's what we look at a lot of time. We look to kings, priests, and prophets of our own nation to solve our problems. But I think it's so important that we remember we have to look within. We have to look within to our own faithfulness and just remain faithful to God And if we remain faithful, God will bless. God will bless. As a matter of fact, he blesses her not just with another family, but she even is in the lineage of Jesus himself. So through her, we are even blessed today. And then Ruth's commitment wasn't to a spouse. And I think that's so, so beautiful. Even though this passage is probably read at weddings more than anywhere else, the context of this passage is not a wedding, is it? The the beauty of this is not even to someone that she is blood related to. This is her mother-in-law. How many of you would make this statement to your mother-in-law? Not one of you. Okay. One of you. That's the beauty of it. That blessings and relationships happen when we are faithful to one another. And this is something that's seen all throughout Scripture. And, you know, and I feel like women get this a little more than men. Women, women have the ability to have that deep connection relationship. Men, we're like, mm-mm. No, mm, not going to get all warm and fuzzy with a man. You know, that's just not right. That's just not manly. But Jonathan read for us a little while ago this this last kind of uh, capsule moment between Jonathan and David where they had become the best of friends. They had become brothers in many ways. And they 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 had a loving relationship with each other. And and that was, they, they, they they were brothers. And it's so important for us guys, men, to have that relationship with each other, to have a faithful relationship with one another and commit to each other just as Ruth committed to Naomi. It's so beautiful to see. So what are some keys to Ruth's faithfulness in this particular story? That's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, all right? So the first thing is this. In your life, go stage by stage and season by season. Stage by stage and season by season. And you look at this, this particular passage, you go, how in the world did we get here? How do we get to a place where all of a sudden this this woman, this foreigner, this daughter-in-law says, I'm going to be this devoted to you, even though I'm not going to get anything out of it. Even though though your life seems miserable, mother-in-law, Naomi, even though it's just awful, you feel like God's hands against you, I'm going to stay here with you and we're going to walk through this together. How in the world do you get there? Well, rewind and just just think about life. Think about a 10-year period with someone. You develop deep relationships. Their relationship started with a dating, right? It started with dating. It started with a wedding. It started with the promise of of excitement, of their family growing. Of course, then it turns into moments of, of saying goodbye to loved ones. And there's a lot of bonding, I think, that happens in moments of grief. There is. That, that, that friendship and that, that bonding um, happen with them. And then as they live with each other, they're having to learn a new normal. 
you get to you really get to know each other as you learn new normals in life and i think it's important for us to understand that we take things in life stage by stage and season by season when i think about relationships i think about the idea that relationships start out with just being infatuated with each other don't they you, you know those, those first, that young love that you look at that person sitting across the table from you on that first, second, third date, and there's nothing in their world wrong with them at all, right? You just, you, just, you just can't get enough of them, and then you get to reality. Then you get to reality, and you start seeing, you know, hey, this isn't perfect, all right? There, there's some flaws here. There's some flaws in this relationship, and then it's moments of crisis, and you're like, what in the world? Like, this was supposed to be fun and easy and, and never have any trouble and never have any, any problems. It's our first fight, and I thought she loved me. And, you know, and then you have this moment of decision. What's it going to be? Am I going to stay or am I going to go? Am I going to be faithful? And then you get to old love. You get to sweetness. We face stages in life. And each stage helps us develop what we need to remain faithful to one another, to our God, to our church family, to our spouse, to our, to our kids, to where we get to the place of sweetness in life. Sweetness, um, we get to the place to where we, basically we, we get to where we have the blessings that we can't get any other way because we have gone through the process and we have remained faithful. A lot of people, a lot of people want to give up right here, right? This is the fun part of life. A lot of people want to give up right here. And if they don't give up right here, they really want to give up right here. Because this is a difficult spot. Decisions are difficult spots. Here's the next thing very quickly for you. Filter all counsel through your values, not your feelings. Filter all your counsel through your values, not your feelings. So as they're, they're at this moment, and, and Naomi's giving this, 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 hey, look, you don't want to go with me because my life stinks, okay? God is, God's hand is against me. That, that's a great selling point. If you're trying to get people to leave you alone, just tell them that God hates you and your life is miserable, and most people are going to turn around and go the other way. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm not going to bring your bad, you know, mojo into my life. Like, we're just going to stay away from that altogether right now. But Naomi says all of this, and, and one daughter-in-law goes, oh, I'm going to filter this through my feelings, and what does she do? Where does she go? She goes back home. You have another daughter-in-law, though, that she has watched Naomi be faithful to her husband, faithful to her children, faithful to her daughter-in-laws, and then she says, these are the values by which I want to live my life, so I'm going to make my decision through the filter of values, not the filter of feelings. And that is so important. Ruth makes that choice. That's why there's some passages that I think really play into this that are just so the Holy Spirit telling us that this is the important things in our life. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, talking about a relationship between the older women in the church and the younger women, says, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. But why is it important for these older women that he's talking to to have these conversations, these faithfulness conversations with, with the younger women? Because what we tend to do in life is surround ourselves with friends, and then what we do with those friends is we train them to give us the advice that makes us happy. 
not the advice that we need. Our friends, when we get together, hey, listen, I've had a bad day. Y'all want to go out and get supper? Y'all want to go hang out? Y'all want to go do something? Let's go do something. I'm going to tell you about how bad my week's been so that you can make me feel better and tell me that every way that I've dealt with the situation is right because you're my friend. That's why you're my friend, because you tell me that I'm right. And if you need me to tell you you're right, I'll tell you you're right as well. Okay, so what does Paul say? Paul says in this moment, he says, look, create a filter in which they can learn Christ's values and how to deal in their life. Another great story comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. We'll read this real quick. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was in Egypt um, where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned to Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and all Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. It's about faithfulness, okay? We want to be faithful to you, so help us out in this process. Rehoboam answered, come back to me in three days. So the people went away. So the rest of the story, though, is he's got some friends that he surrounds himself with, and he asks them for their advice, and they give him the friend advice. No, man, make it harder. Make them give you more. And, and it just ruins his kingship. But make it about faithfulness. If you receive advice, if you receive counsel in your life that undermines faithfulness, then that counsel is not of God. Then that counsel is not of the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you are taking counsel and funneling it through values, through Christ, and not through your feelings. This leads us to the next and really final thing in our text here is make sure you're asking the right question. Make sure you're asking the right question. Here's the question we ask many times. What's the question we ask? What will make me say it? What will make me happy? How many of you usually sign up for something that you know is not going to make you happy? If you're like, hey, this could be hard, this could be difficult, this could be challenging, that's usually not the first things that we sign up for, right? But that's not the right question. What is the right question? How can I show Christ? I don't walk into a marriage and go, how, does this, how, how can this person make me happy? I don't walk into a job and go, how can this job make me more money so that I can have more things and be more happy? I don't walk into the church building and go, how does this church make me more happy? In every situation, I walk into it and I ask the question, how can I show Christ? Because the truth of the matter is, is your spouse is not always going to make you happy. Your job is not always going to make you your friends are not always going to make you happy. So if you're just worried about that, you're going to find failure everywhere, every relationship, every church, every job. You're going to find failure in that because you're asking the wrong question. Instead, this is how Paul says it in First, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by what? Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind. And read verse 3 with me. Do nothing out out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, don't go into a situation going, how is this going to make me happy? Rather, in humility, value others what? Above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And then he ends that with, have the same mind or heart 
That's Christ Jesus. And then the rest of that passage talks about how he left heaven, he humbled himself, he became like a servant, and he sacrificed himself. How do I live that? How do I remain faithful to someone and to a God and to my family and to my church? I look at every situation and go, how do I show Christ in this moment? And that's, that's faithfulness. Ruth says, I understand that you're having a hard time, but our relationship is important enough for me to not be happy for a little while as we figure your life out together. And that's really the beauty of this, is what she's saying is, I'm here for you. I'm not in this for me. The, 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 you, you, you've blessed me. You, you've given me a husband. You gave me a good 10 years. You know, there, there's been some good things go on. You, you, you've been a blessing in my life. You've been faithful to me, even when maybe I wasn't the easiest person to be faithful to. All right. We all go through those moments. Even when I didn't make you happy, you stayed faithful to me. And she says, here I am now. Our relationship is important enough that I will stay faithful to you. I will show Christ. I will show God. And that's who I'm going to be from this moment on. You know, it is beautiful. And I think sometimes, you know, we see these, on, we see these words on plaques and we see them on decorations because they, they almost seem, you know, almost unattainable sometimes. They just seem poetic. That's what God calls us to. Because God says, I'm going to redeem you because I'm faithful. I'm going to be there for you because I'm faithful. And so let's live that same life to him and to each other so that we can live our own story and be a Ruth as well in a world that just struggles with commitment altogether. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you for your commitment to us. We thank you for your love to us and, and all that you give us, God. We just pray that as we live this life in, in a world that, that says, I, I'm in until I find something better, that we will be people that just say, I'm in no matter what. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to each other. I'm committed to these relationships. And all I'm worried about is bringing Christ into that relationship. Let us live that way, God. Let us function that way with each other. And we know that if we bring Christ in the middle of every relationship, then every need is met. Help us to be those type of people, God. We thank you for your love and your mercy. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.